Welcome to Lacrosse Classified on the LAX All-Stars Podcast Network, presented by Extreme Threads. Your home for the latest news from the National Lacrosse League and Indoor Lacrosse. Now, let's talk some lacrosse with your hosts, Jake Elliott and Evan Schemenauer. You heard the man, ladies and gentlemen. It's time for another episode of Lacrosse Classified right here on LAX All-Stars. Podcast Network, what we do here, folks, is we grow the game. One podcast at a time, and we're just doing our part here. For Lacrosse Nation, it's Jake Elliott, Evan Schemenauer back with you once again. And week one of the National Lacrosse League season is in the books. Three games under their belt and a big weekend to come ahead in game two. We'll take a look back at week one. We'll preview week two and a couple of special guests on the show as well this week as... I think we've kind of outdid ourselves this week, Evan Cheminauer, as we got the greatest box lacrosse player of all time. And I don't have a problem saying that. Just look at the record books if you want to argue with me. One, John Tavares, uh, assistant head coach of the Buffalo Bandits and the best to ever do it inside the boards of a lacrosse box. John Tavares on the podcast. And Lyle Thompson, de Hassanunde, if I'm saying that correctly. I sure hope I am. Lyle Thompson from the Georgia Swarm join us here on Extreme Threads Lacrosse Classified. Evan, welcome back once again. Thank you so much. And to follow up on that, I would tell you right now, I think Lyle Thompson is the greatest overall lacrosse player currently playing at the moment. Yeah, maybe we can talk a little bit about that right off the top. Uh, that's always an interesting question. And, and a lot of people pushing for Tom Schreiber because he's got to be in that conversation as the best all-around lacrosse player when you're talking about field and box lacrosse, but Lyle Thompson's definitely in that conversation as well. Why do you think Lyle is ahead of a guy like, say, Tom Schreiber? Lyle doesn't get the, the stats that a Schreiber does because he doesn't, unfortunately, make every game when it does when he does on the field. Uh, just the overall uh, intensity, the highlight reel, the saleability of a guy even like uh, Lyle Thompson, and not only that, but you know, having to lead not only uh, a couple teams, but also a nation, if you will, um, in the Creators game. Uh, if you had to get, you had to have, have tell me pick one of these two for both. I'll take Thompson by a hair over Schreiber. Won't be by a lot, but. I just like uh, Thompson's creativity a little more. Yeah, I th- I'd, I'd agree with that. I think Lyle is probably a more entertaining lacrosse player to watch um, as far as what he does offensively, what he does with his creativity. But what impresses me with Lyle is really his motor, for one. He can, I mean, he, I think he could literally play a full lacrosse game and not come off the floor and be okay. Like, he'd be tired, but he could do it which is just crazy to think about, but that's how good a shape he's in. And the way he can back check, he can t- he can take face-offs. He just doesn't do it. People don't really know that about Lyle, but he's an excellent face-off man. He's so tenacious on the forecheck and, and picking up loose balls. Like he, he, The guy plays with no fear, and I think some of those elements, um, maybe Tom Schreiber just hasn't developed yet or – you know, he's just kind of a different player than what Lyle is. So I, I think you make some good points there. When you're talking about 
the greatest player of all time. Like, I think John Grant Jr., for what he's accomplished, if you look at his accolades and awards and, and championships in both disciplines of the sport, I think he's probably at the top of the list. I think Gary Gates got to be in that conversation as well. But when it comes to box lacrosse, I don't think anyone can touch John Tavares and what he's accomplished over his illustrious career. The stats board will definitely tell you it's uh, it's Tavares on that end. Um, you know, you can you can give me an argument for Tavares, you can give me an argument for Grant, you can give me an argument for Grant Senior uh, for that matter. But um, you know, it's a debate that I think will go on for years without getting a full answer. But if you don't put John Tavares in that top three, you're kidding yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Fair enough. Fair enough. So week one in the books here, Evan, uh, the National Lacrosse League. Why don't we go over these games here? Because uh, we're going to talk to two guys that were involved in two of them this week. Uh, The first one, it was a morning matinee uh, over here on the West Coast, a one o'clock start from Philadelphia, 11,000 people into philadelphia to watch their wings return that was fantastic to see the atmosphere look great uh the the broadcast was was spectacular so it was great to see philly i think the the uniforms the turf all of it looked great from philadelphia unfortunately the home team comes up a, a couple of goals short to a very good buffalo team 17 15 the final in that one josh Byrne with a big night shawnee evans uh with a big game as well uh Cluche showing up Maybe one thing that's uh, pretty concerning, and I'll get your thoughts off of this uh, generally here, Evan, but uh, Dane Smith going down at the end of that game, and things did not look good for the great Dane uh, coming off the turf for the Bandits. And if he's gone long-term, you could have some significant issues. Um, not so much on the offense, you know, from one side where you still got a lot of offensive weapons in Buffalo, but we saw a defense that we were hoping was going to be a drastic improvement and goaltending is going to be a drastic improvement and an expansion team just racked up 15 on you. It's going to take some time. They're going to need some more time to get that team to gel a little bit better. Uh, you know, get used to where Vince wants to see the ball from, but still, I think there's gotta be a little bit of a concern there that there was that many goals there. Um, on the Philly end of things, you know, Trevor Baptiste went, what was it, 25 for 35 and even chipped his tooth in the process. Uh, a lot of people will question the validity of face-off stats, but here's the difference in this particular case is that it was far too often Buffalo would get a goal, Baptiste would win a draw, Phillies down the floor, they're scoring right back. And that's really where that face-off stat will really come into play. So you got to be impressed with what he was able to do in that game. Yeah, I mean, and and what it does is it just does not allow either the team to continue to get momentum or get momentum back when you're not coming up with possessions after you either get scored on or or do the scoring. So, you know, if your face-off guy is going 50-55% per game, it's not that great of an effect, and, and, you know, it's probably a wasted roster spot. But if your guy is going anywhere north of, of 60, 65, 70%, the face-off dot, that is when you can have a significant impact on the game. I mean, Chopper in the crowd there in Philly, I mean, it was so cool to see the wings back, Evan. And and I think, you know, the, the fans there really kind of got behind their team. They're, they're going to be a team that's going to be scrappy. That's how they're going to stay in games. 
back and forth. I think they're going to be high. They're going to be high scoring games, and they're kind of a blue collar bunch there in Philly, which of course those that fan base loves, right? They're just kind of all lunch bucket guys trying to get the job done. Well, and the highlight for a lot of them was the fight in the dying seconds, and unfortunately, all the lacrosse balls that uh, got tossed onto the floor afterwards. Yeah, it's uh, you're, that, they're going to be was, winning. That a was Czech Konezny, by the way, Evan Schemenauer. Um <laughs> and, and maybe maybe we should address this quickly because I got a little salty during that game and, and banged out a, a couple of tweets about uh, the broadcast team there in Philadelphia. Scott Gabrielson and, and Booker Corrigan, I hope I got their names right, uh, who, you know, had some mistakes. And, and I was maybe a little quick to, to jump on that. But the mistakes that were being made were kind of – inexcusable mistakes i guess is the, is the way i, I want to say it things that just you shouldn't happen in a in a national cross league professional broadcast and and it made me a little upset to to hear and see and and you know i i like booker corrigan i think his kind of a style of of how he calls the game is very unique and and some fans really kind of like that uh shtick that he does with the you know quoting rap songs and and coming up with kind of funky little scenes and stuff like I think it's cool, and if that's your thing, then then fill your boots. But when it comes to getting names correct, that's kind of where I have a bit of an issue. And and you know there there was there was multiple mistakes, I guess I would say, Evan. And and it's just a matter of of doing your homework. And I, and I know Booker's a pro, and and he's prepared, and and all the rest of it. But uh, there comes a time when you have to look at your roster and if you have a tricky name on that roster, have it at the ready so you can read the phonetic spelling off of it and, and not have to worry about it. Yeah. We had a unfortunate incident in Saskatchewan this past year. Uh, the Twitter game where, you know, what, what was it? Uh, Dan, every last Jones. Uh, Jones. Yeah. <laughs> and every other butchered name you could put it there. Um, uh, Pat Sanders scoring the winning goal. Right. Dunstan to Sanders was the ultimate call there. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I think that was kind of the wake-up call that, you know, the, we, we, broadcasters got to do with their homework. They got to get this right. And I thought we were over that hurdle. Um, but opening weekend, few problems. Well, look, um, at, you know, like I – I've been around this league and I've been around these players for a long time. So it's, it's probably a little easier for me to, to, to know those sort of things than it may be for others to kind of get access and, and all that sort of stuff. But on the other hand of it, you know, the, the teams have game notes. There is a, a league guide for pronunciations and phonetic spellings. So, you know, I'm willing to, to give a little slack and, and, you know, it's week one and, and let's get, let's get past it, but uh, let's hope it's, it's not a reoccurring trend because uh, at the end of the day, I'm not calling games in the booth, which is frustrating enough, but I want, I want the league to be shone in a, in a good light and for it to come off as professional. And at certain points of that game, I didn't get that, that feeling and that, that pissed me off a little bit. Well, unfortunately, I didn't get to hear most of it because I was having all kinds of nice technical issues getting BR to work. And it's a little unfortunate that <laughs> here we are, we got this whole new broadcast, the league has gone to lengths to say, you know, it's going to be an improved product. For those that could get it to work, it was fantastic. The picture quality was phenomenal. But for those of us that couldn't get it to work, it was disaster. It was almost like, is this NLL TV all over again? Because... 
at, at the end of the day, what we've tried to figure out as we got through the day, laptops were not working with this service hardly at all. Very few people getting the signal through. People are having a lot more luck with things like Roku's and Chromecasts, uh, Apple TV. But this is a thing where, you know, as a as a writer, I'm going to do what I have to do to watch that game, and I'm going to try for an hour, just you know, hour to just to get that broadcast to work. Casual fans not going to do that. It's not, this isn't working. I'm turning this off. Bye. Right. Yeah. This was their big chance to get VR working, and for eighty percent of the people, it did. For twenty percent of the people, no, no dice. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll say this. Like I. I thought what the production value and all the rest of it, the way it looked when it was working was fantastic. And I'm willing to give BR and the league a a bit of a pass here in week one because BR Live is not offered up in Canada for anything except the National Lacrosse League, really. So, you know, this is – I was watching through the app and the app worked totally fine. I tried watching through Xbox, and I, I had a couple of issues watching through Xbox. I tried on my laptop a couple of different browsers, and, and you know, some things worked okay. Some things didn't work okay. I know the archives are up there now, so you can go back and watch those. A um, little hard to navigate to find them, but, but they are there, uh, which I'd like to see improved too. I think the game should be much more accessible. Uh, you know, it should be a click. I will give some advice out to fans. What I found worked the best when I was watching on my laptop is to go to N com and then click on the box score of the game and then scroll down a little bit and the feed of the game was right there and I've seen when I seem to go through the NLL website and click on that link on that game uh, it worked just fine it was a little different going through the BR uh, website but I think because it was offered up in Canada for the first time uh, they have some bugs to work out. So some things worked well, some things didn't. I know those guys are a top-notch company and prepared and all the rest of it. So I'm I'm confident and I'm and I'm positive they are going to address all those issues and and I'm willing to give them a pass on week one and see how we do in week two. Second game of the day, we had uh, Georgia beating New England 16-12. Game of runs. Yeah, what was that? I had a page back through it because I was looking. It's like. You know, there didn't seem to be a back-and-forth mentality of this game. It really wasn't. We had a lot of, you know, two-goal run, three-goal run. It was back-and-forth, but it was back-and-forth in big piles. There was only actually two instances in the entire game where a team didn't score back-to-back. So, um, really good on Georgia. Ten goal scorers in the game. Uh, Nobody had more than three, so they were getting the ball around quite a bit. one of the interesting things here, though, in this game was, I believe there was like six illegal substitution penalties. Mm. Uh, the, and Coach is taking full credit for that happening. One of those trends, perhaps it's something they're just cracking down on. Perhaps it's something that you know, they're it's just that the teams haven't played enough yet that that timing isn't down. Um yeah, I, I think, you know, it's it's probably one of those areas that Brian Lemon and his crew have kind of put an emphasis of focus on as far as the officiating goes. Something, and and it, it's not something you really want to see because you want it to be consistent uh, the entire year, but it's probably one of those things where it's like, okay, let's call this tight in the beginning of the year, get it dialed in so teams aren't really pushing the envelope and cheating every every time down on a line change. And then as the year goes along, that will probably loosen up just a touch. But, 
you know, it's probably something like slashing off ball. They want to keep a close eye on that, and and it'll be called tightly for uh, the first few weeks, and then it'll start to kind of fall back into where it, it really should be as, you know, it has been over the, the course of time. Um, the game in Georgia, let's start with the uniforms first here, Evan. Uh, New England going with some orange get-ups that I, that I didn't mind all that that much. It was kind of a new look for them, which was kind of cool. I thought Dougie Jameson uh, played very well for New England. Georgia had the Star Wars uniforms going because, and it was interesting, I saw somebody tweet like, what are they doing a theme jersey night for on their opening night of their home opener? Well, that wasn't Georgia's supposed to be their home opener. That was supposed to be game number two because their home opener got postponed and rescheduled to the back half of the season. So they probably had that in place already. That was the date, and they were going to go ahead with it. I thought they looked pretty cool. For me, Georgia was really – it was kind of like they were just doing enough to get by. You know what I mean? Like they'd get a lead. New England would come back, and they'd be like, oh, they're close again. Let's get a couple more. And I don't know. To me, I didn't ever really feel like New England was going to threaten Georgia and, and win that game. It was just kind of like Georgia was doing enough just to, to get by. I'm really happy, too, Dougie Jameson got this chance to start. I was kind of surprised he wasn't going to get that chance earlier. But um, it kind of also goes back to the point of New England, the team star for draft picks, has traded a first-round pick away to get Alex Bouquet who is now sitting on your bench as your backup. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but we'll, we'll roll with it. Um, a struggle without uh, Jay Thornberry in the, uh, in the face-off dot for them, too. So uh, who he, I was actually, you know, I didn't even realize he hadn't been signed until Toronto made the announcement. They picked him up for their practice roster. But, you know, end of the day, yeah, no, New England really wasn't going to be a threat in that game. Georgia had control. And, you know, their offense just basically imposed their will. And it was, okay, you know, you, you're you going to take Lyle out of the game. Well, we'll, you know, Holden Katoni had seven points. You know, they just could go at him whichever way they wanted to in that game. And Lyle still, I mean, they tried to take Lyle out of the game, but he still had seven points in that contest. So, um, you know, to try as you will. There's a lot of weapons there in Georgia to, to try and stop with Stotts and, and Miles and Jackson and Katoni, like you mentioned. Uh, Jackson going down awkwardly at the end of that game as well. as It's a couple of big-name offensive players going down in week one with injuries. I don't think Jackson's is maybe as serious as Dane Smith's, but uh, we'll have to wait and see on that one. As uh, John Tavares coming up here on Lacrosse Classified in about five minutes' time. One more game to cover before we get to JT, and that was uh, the nightcapper on Saturday night from the Rough House in Calgary. Man, oh, man, what a lacrosse game here. I don't know if it was the most entertaining game of the week, but it came down to, like, the last 10 minutes, and it kind of turned into the most entertaining game of the week, if you know what I'm saying there, Evan. It was 13-8 Roughnecks, and they were kind of stymieing Vancouver. They weren't generating much. They were taking a lot of penalties, and it just wasn't really clicking. And then all of a sudden, they started to chip away, and the defense got cranked up. Bold kind of found his groove a little bit, and they just kind of kept chipping away, chipping away and end up tying that game late, I think, with two goals in the final minute. And then about four minutes into overtime, Captain Matt Beers in those fresh white jerseys, uh, by the way, uh, scores the winner for Vancouver as they start out the season 1-0. and And I haven't been able to say this in quite some time, Evan Shevinar, Vancouver is in first place in the Western Division. 
yeah, okay, well, we'll, we'll keep that in mind for the next couple of weeks. But, um, you know, you got to give them credit. They, yeah, at 13-8, it looked like this game was over. They could have folded. But, you know, they hung in there, and Logan Schuss really put that team on his back uh, to lead him there in the fourth quarter. Calgary, you know, the the offense got too safe. They wanted to – they stopped crashing the net in the fourth quarter. They wanted to run down the possessions, try and limit the number of possessions, and it backfired. You know, you, the best way to hold the lead in the NLL is keep filling the net, and they didn't do that. Uh, and part of the issue there, too, was that Dane Doby, you know, yeah, had nine points uh, on the night, eight in the first half, but once they started to shut him down, there really wasn't much out there. And because of the holdouts with Dixon, the holdout with Berg, and then the injury to King, which made matters even worse. You had, you know, Riley Lowen out there quite a bit. You had Carter Dixon, Chris Bushy, even Zach Courier had to take the odd shift up front. So you had this mix match of guys that just haven't played much together. And, you know, this loss is on the defense, but at the end of the day, if you had Dixon and Berg signed, you'd have that extra two or three goals. They're going to score more than two or three goals, but it's that extra two or three that they wouldn't have from somebody else that would have made the difference. Yeah, Whether that actually speeds that up this week will be interesting to see. Yeah, that will be interesting to see. I saw Richard Furlong come out uh, with some quotes in a Calgary newspaper talking about uh, how the negotiations are going and how the threat of them not playing the entire season is a real one. It's a little messy there in Calgary with those two. And and you're right, without King there uh, going down, he was a very late scratch just before game time. And, and Dane Doby kind of knew, okay, you know, no Berg, no Dixon, no King. I got to carry the load here. And he did. He put up nine points in that opening half. Unfortunately, I don't think he put up one in the second half as they went scoreless uh, for a long drought there uh, through the fourth quarter and into overtime, obviously uh, losing that game. And the other thing I thought is is Christian Del Bianco was far from his best. Um, and, and you mentioned he wasn't great in Saskatchewan. The exhibition game wasn't great in the in the home opener for Calgary. So that's two outings in a row for Del Bianco. <laughs> and I was kind of texting with somebody else and said, yeah, he, he's washed up. <laughs> no, I mean uh, Del Bianco. A, a couple, a couple of bad games is is not going to rattle that kid's cage, and uh, I would expect him to be on top of things come Friday night in Vancouver as those two teams meet again. We'll touch on that a little later in the podcast uh, as Vancouver will open up Rogers Arena for the first time. So we'll look forward to that uh, coming up later in the show. But we got to get to break because we have. John Tavares, the head, not the head coach, the assistant head coach of the Buffalo Bandits and the greatest Bucks lacrosse player of all time. Coming up next here on Extreme Threads, Lacrosse Classified here on the Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network. Associated Labels and Packaging is in the business of creating first impressions. They'll help you reflect your company values accurately by offering solutions that fit your product needs. With the latest in printing technology and over 35 years of experience, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit for your company to take your labels and packaging to the next level.
Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified here on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Thanks to our friends at Associated Labels and Packaging. They create first impressions. You can find them online at associated-labels.com or at Associated LP, as in labels and packaging. It's Jake Elliott, it's Evan Schemenauer, and now joined by the co-head coach. I should correct myself as I went to break. I said assistant coach. Co-head coach, John Tavares of the Buffalo Bandits. JT, thanks for joining us once again. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jake and Evan. My pleasure, our pleasure. Um, I guess to your pleasure, Buffalo Bandits 1-0 out of the gates. Uh, 17-15, the final in that one over a team that you had some legendary battles against back in the day, John. Uh, the Philadelphia Wings back in Philly. Uh, maybe just touch on being back in Philly for lacrosse to begin with, and, and then maybe what you liked and what you didn't like uh, out of that 17-15 victory for your Bandits. Well, one, it was great to be back in Philadelphia. They uh, they have such a great following there. And uh, it was a big part of the NLL, Major in Lacrosse League, back in the uh, 90s, early 2000s. So it was nice to be back uh, playing lacrosse in Philadelphia for uh, one. And and uh, two, uh, obviously, I like the uh, the win. 17 goals is always great to give, uh, to get in the first game. Um you know, I thought uh, there was a lot of positives uh, out of that game, and uh, also a lot of room for improvement on, on our part too. You know, they're they're a, they're a new team, they're an expansion team, and they have a really good team for a first year. And you know, we've made a lot of changes from last year to this year as well. So I think both teams were you know trying to get used to each other out there in terms of uh, teammates and whatnot, and it did turn out to be a bit of a track meet at times, and we came out on top, fortunately enough for us. Does the 15 goals the Wings get you concern you at all, or is that something that just with having a new defense that you're going to need that time to learn how to play with one another, how to play with the goaltender behind you that, like you said, is all brand new in this system? Yeah, we have a new defense in place from last year. We have new players. We have a new goalie. Um, you know, and, and not to take anything from Philadelphia, but they, they, have a great, they have a great offense as well. They have a, a lot of established uh, offensive players that could put the ball in that inside and out. So, uh, you know, and also the shortened uh, training camp schedule, you know, we only had about two weekends to get together. So it's so hard to cover everything. So I'm, I'm sure this is going to be one area that we're going to uh, try to improve on is, uh, you know, our goals against both uh, cutting down five on five goals and cutting down transition against goals. You move into a, a co-head coaching role this year, John, and you've been an assistant on the bench for, for the last couple of seasons. You and Troy, not, I wouldn't say similar as coaches at all. You're, you know, Troy runs pretty hot and he's pretty vocal. You're more of a guy that's kind of subdued and laid back and kind of, uh, you know, you very de- deliver your message a, a lot calmer, I would probably say. But, I mean, how's the dynamic been with – with you and Richie, and uh, I know you got my man Krugs on the bench now. What's uh, the dynamic been like between the three of you? Oh, so far so good. Um, I, I think um, Rust uh, Kruger, Rusty Kruger, has a lot to offer to our team, and having him in on the bench is very beneficial. He's got a lot of insight both on the defensive end and the offensive end, and in, in the, the overall game in general. He uh, he always has a lot of positives and. Uh, uh, things to say what's going on and he also can pick out you know adjustments that we can make on offense and defense as well so his input is very valuable 
Um, in terms of Richie and I, we've been coaching in Six Nations together. Mind you, he's the head coach and I'm the offensive coach in Six Nations for the last three summers. So we're very familiar to each other. Um, you know, we, we get along well. We, we like to talk things through and when we make a decision. We uh, don't make decisions ourselves. We tend to rely on each other's as a support uh, service in, in terms of what we're going to do, who we're going to play, how we're going to play it. So we, we definitely throw things back back and forth to each other you know, before we make a decision. You've got an offense uh, with a lot of big names and a lot of big goal scorers, Evans, Smith, Small, Byrne. But, of course, you only got one ball. How do you get these big personalities together to, you know, make sure you got your offense running uh, at full efficiency while keeping everybody happy at the same time. Well, just keep, I mean, uh, like you said, one ball, five guys, we don't really care who scores, you know, one night might be a uh, small, he got five in the first half, you know, it could be uh Hogarth, Horgarth, Horgarth got three goals, you know, it's just, we want to have an offense that the defense doesn't know who's going to attack you. So we want to be unpredictable. We want to make sure everybody's a threat. Everybody's involved. Uh, everybody gets their touches. And, you know, the points are going to take care of themselves. I, I think sometimes when guys go out and they, they try to get a certain number of points or try to score, usually they, they don't, they're not successful at it. When they just let the game come to, come to themselves, I think the game becomes a lot easier. And, you know, less turnovers, uh, less forced uh, mistakes. It uh, gets everybody involved when you just move the ball, move your feet, and you know, play the game properly. And I think the statistics take care of themselves. I re- and, uh, yeah, sorry, yeah. John. I, I was going to say, I, re- I really thought that was the case for Corey Small. And and I wanted you to touch on the kitten a little bit. Uh, he goes off for five goals. And, and how important do you think it was for him, not I mean, the five is great, but just to get off to a good start, feel like he's contributing to that offense and, and be a part of things early so he gets comfortable early in the season to kind of set himself up for success as we move along. Oh, for sure. It's, uh, it's, I think it's really important that he got off to a really good start and uh, you know made himself known that he's going to uh, put the ball in that for us. And uh, I, I think also the way he did score, you know, you know, I, I, I learned a lot about Corey that, that game. And I think his teammates are going to learn about what Corey does. You know, Corey's a shooter and he has a great quick release. And every time the ball comes across the floor, you know, he's catching and shooting, which is a really hard shot to stop because now the goalie has got to come across the floor. And, you know, if you're shooting against the grain, with the grain, you know, it's hard for the goalie to pick up that ball. So, you know, I think two or three of Corey's goals were exactly that. So he has a great shot, and we're going to try to utilize that as much as possible. One thing that's obviously a concern to Bandits fans and lacrosse fans as a whole is Dean Smith, who was carried off end of the game. Is there any update on his status at this time? Yeah, you know, he actually, Dane went, was going into the game with a, a beat-up hamstring that he was been fighting off uh, recently. And unfortunately, with about a minute to go, he went down. And, uh, you know, I've not heard um, prognosis of his injury just yet. So uh, hopefully it's not as bad as it seems. But, uh, I, again, you know, like, Dane's a big part of our, our, our offense. But to have a successful team, you can't rely on one or two guys. You need depth, and you know this is a this is going to be an opportunity for somebody else to step up and show us what they can do. You know, I, I don't know if games can be available for this weekend or the weekend after that. I'm not sure the length of the injury. Um, I'm sure I'll know more by tomorrow. 
Like well, I said, that doesn't do us any good, John. Tomorrow we're recording right now, man. No, yeah, I'm, I'm just. Kidding. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm just uh, kidding. I'm just kidding. I, well, I mean, that's an opportunity, JT. For that you, you, I, I was a little surprised to see Hoagie up front, Thomas Hogarth, uh, and he and he played great. I mean, like you said, he had three goals. But one guy that we didn't really get to see a whole lot through the regular rotation, and, and understandably so, with Dane Smith and Shawnee Evans taking regular shifts, was was Chase Fraser. And now, if if Dane can't go, there's an opportunity for a kid that's you know starting to improve and getting better well, every uh, year for him to step we, up. We, yeah, no, we, we Chase played. He took faceoffs and played defense and played. He's playing a transition role for us this year. So he possibly will get an opportunity this weekend if Dane is out. Uh, but I like what he has to offer, running the ball up the floor in unsettled situations. You know, he's a big, strong, fast kid that, you know, he can put a lot of pressure on guys getting back. And, uh, uh, you know, we're not exactly sure if Dane's out, who's going to replace him. Frazier could be one of them. But, um, again, uh, we'll have the, I'll have this discussion with Richie and Rusty, and we'll figure out what's best for the team and go from there. One of the things you had to have been pleased with this week was this one of your team of you know, a week where a lot of teams were shorthanded a, lo- a lot more than normal. So you know, even eight times in a half. Um, you know, how did the, how did you feel the boys did on that end of things? I thought the guys had a lot of discipline. I thought the uh, it was a, you know fairly rough game. The um, you know our, our motto is you know play hard and smart. You know, we don't want to take any dumb, undisciplined penalties. You know, power players are so strong these days that, uh, you know, that's going to be a difference between losing and winning a game. So I thought we handled uh, handled our first game on the road. And, you know, as, uh, you know, as the lower bowl was pretty much full, but the Philly fans were still pretty boisterous. So the guys handled it very well. And uh, I don't think we took really any undisciplined penalties. So that was uh, that was pretty good. Speaking with John Tavares, co-head coach of the Buffalo Bandits and the all-time scoring leader in the National Lacrosse League's history. Um, maybe talk a little bit about your young guys, uh, Johnny. You guys went out and, and went after a couple of young defensive guys in, in Gilray and McKay. What did you think of the rookies? I thought they did a good job for the first game. Um, both of them are excellent defenders. Both of them are great lacrosse players. They, they both can handle the ball and make good decisions. They were both um, really good with their position on defense, and they're both very coachable. So uh, they're all ears and looking to improve their game. I thought their first game in is uh, they did a really good job. I don't remember, you know, them making too many mistakes. Obviously, you're going to make mistakes in the game, everyone does, and uh, you still, you know, don't want to make too many. And, and both of them, you know, they 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 held their ground and uh, picked up some loose balls, made some good passes up the floor. I think McKay had a breakaway, um, semi breakaway. Uh, Gilray carried the ball over past center a couple times, so I think uh, they both did really well. I was really pleased with them. Now, one thing I got to ask you: you, of course, mentioned Six Nations, and you had a situation this summer where you were short-handed, and forty-nine-year-old uh, <laughs> John Tavares puts the pads on. Uh, How was that on the body <laughs> after a few years away from the game? Wow! 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 That was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tell like funny. it is, man. It was not was fun. <laughs> the uh, well, I have to tell you more about that. It was a, It was not just I played a game. It was just. It was just myself and Jordan Dursty were the only lefties. <laughs> I, I did not know that. I, I did not know that. I played literally every offensive shift. Oh my goodness! 
against against Peterborough at that. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't. It I would wasn't say that I was. I was. Uh, it was probably a, a, a mistake that I played uh, um, simply because I hadn't picked up my stick in years, and the stick that I picked up was literally the last stick I used. My son Justin has been using the stick for a while, and it's very very narrow. The ball can barely fit in the thing because it's so flimsy now. But um, anyway, it uh, it was it was fun playing. I I, I uh, if I had trained or practiced or went for you know some runs beforehand, it would have been a, bit, a little bit easier. But <laughs> you know the game seemed a lot faster for me. I was yeah. just trying to at times, okay, just catch the ball, John, catch the ball, pick up the ball, you know, just little things right. Oh come on, you had but, like three uh, assists in that game, didn't you? I yeah, you... you know, I made some passes here and there, but. Uh, I, I missed a couple opportunities to score, yeah. and it did take me about a week to recover. There you go. There you go. That's the kicker. It's it's not so yeah. much while you're doing it; it's afterwards that really. Gets it was about you. a week, literally a week, yeah. to recover. Yeah. Well, so. well congratulations, padding uh, your already astronomical <laughs> stats. Um, oh yeah. A couple more minutes here with John Tavares on Lacrosse Classified. Um, the Toronto Rock uh, coming this weekend. You get to get back home inside uh, Bandit Land. There, what are you, what are you expecting uh, out of Toronto? You guys always play each other pretty tough. Yeah, usually they're really tough games. Uh, from all the teams, we tend to lose uh, our discipline against Toronto, so we definitely have to emphasize not taking any stupid penalties. Um, it seems we seem to play them shorthanded for most part of the game, whether it's in Buffalo or Toronto. I don't know why, but uh, it just seems to be the case. I don't know if it's from so many guys on our team from, from Ontario and they get a little excited or overly excited at that. But um, I'm sure it's going to be a, a tough game either way. And, you know, we we haven't made the playoffs in a couple of years, and we want to definitely show our fans that, you know, we're, we're, we're uh, looking to uh, get back to playoff lacrosse and, you know, be a great way to start off the season with a home win. Yeah, I know a lot of uh, a lot of pundits are, are picking you guys to make it right to the finals. Never mind, make the playoffs. Uh, speaking of Toronto, John Tavares, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about the other John Tavares, the one that plays hockey in Toronto. Um, that's got to be pretty cool for you. You being from Ontario, seeing your nephew come back and play in his hometown, and and then you probably get uh, a couple of tickets thrown your way to go check out some Maple Leafs hockey every every now. Well, and then. well, one, the family was definitely excited that the. Um decided to play in Toronto. I mean, it's pretty exciting, you know, playing in the city you grew up in, watching the team that, uh, watching the team or playing for the team that you grew up watching. That's exciting for John. And, uh, you know, Leafs are obviously pretty strong offensively this year. Um, in terms of uh, tickets, tickets are very hard to come by in Toronto. So John has been, uh, you know, nice enough to offer some tickets uh, throughout the season. But it's not like I think a lot of people think, oh, I can just go to any game I want. John knows many people in the area, has a big family, so it's not like it's unlimited tickets. And uh, he's been very generous in, in offering us tickets. And uh, when he does, we try to uh, try to make them when we can. Well, I'm just saying, just if he ever gives up this hockey hobby, he's actually a pretty decent lacrosse player. He probably got somebody who gets to go pretty quickly there. Yeah, John's uh, John was a very good lacrosse player. He hasn't played in a while. Um, I'm sure he would do a lot better than I would at this stage, but uh, if there's ever a lockout in hockey, maybe he can uh, try to suit up and play for Buffalo, or or I guess Toronto Toronto Rock. <laughs> 
lot of guys have picked uh, the Bandits to win the East, if not win the whole thing. Is there a lot of added pressure this year to finally pull it off this season? I'm not sure who's picking us to win and why they're doing that. Like we haven't made the playoffs in two years, so we have a lot of new players. Uh, we got, we got. To me, we are, we have a you know a lot of competition in the East. You know, Saskatoon in the West. I, I, I mean, no, I, I like our team. I think we have a, a, a you know a long way to go here. I just I think that uh, you know going into a season and making that prediction, you know, I, I, <laughs> there's a lot of teams out there. That, maybe that, you know, maybe getting a six-time goalie of the year and three-time NLL champion might uh, sway people. I mean, you know, I mean, Ovink is a great goalie, no question. But uh, you know, you still need to put the ball in that. And you still got to prevent the other team from uh, getting good opportunities. So I hear you. I hear you. you know what's going to happen? You know, I, I don't like. Um, I'm definitely not the kind of guy who you know is going to say, "Oh yeah, we're great. We're going to win." You know, I, I, I'm more of a, <laughs> a realistic perspective here. Is we need to make the playoffs first. Yeah. And uh, you know, take it one game at a time from there. And you know, who knows what can happen after that? But I think right now is let's just win some games. And let's make the playoffs. All right. you know, my mind is ultimately to win the championship, with no question. Of course, we want to win the championship. I'm sure every team's goal is to win that championship. Just I pump, think pump that, the brakes, I don't Buffalo. Think favorite. You know, I think Saskatoon or Georgia, the teams that made the finals last year, those are the teams that should be the favorites, not us. Fair enough. Fair enough, Johnny. Uh, hey, listen, uh, we really appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on Lacrosse Classified. Best of luck against The yeah. Rock this weekend, and hopefully we can uh, chat a little later down the road, uh, down the season here. For sure. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you for coming on. John Tavares, co-head coach of the Buffalo Bandits. They are 1-0 and out of the gates with a victory over Philadelphia, and we'll take on Toronto this weekend uh quick break here on the cross classified we'll come back we have lyle thompson of the georgia swarm coming up next stay tuned you got it right here on lacrosse classified serving the business and sports community since 2018 extreme threads provides custom design apparels around the world specializing in lacrosse they deliver exceptional quality and service customizing box and field team apparel and uniforms Extreme Threads offers free design work and takes the time to ensure you get exactly what you need for your team or club. Contact Extreme Threads at sales at extremethreads.ca for your custom apparel needs today. This is John Tavares, and you're listening to Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Star Podcast Network. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Classified here on Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Growing the game one podcast at a time. Thanks to our friends at Extreme Threads. Fans, customize your team with Extreme. You can find them online at extremethreads.ca. And what you do when you go to the website, you can find all their info, all their apparel, all that sort of stuff. And when you're interested in signing your team up for an apparel package, you go to sales at extremethreads.ca. You mentioned my name, PXP for sports, Jumbo, Jake, whatever you want to call me. And when your team signs up for an apparel package, your coach and manager, they get a bunch of free stuff from Extreme. Lyle Thompson of the Georgia Swarm now joining the podcast. Lyle, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for doing this. Yep, thanks for having me. 
Our pleasure. Uh, well, let's start with uh, the New England Black Wolves, uh, the home opener, if you will. It wasn't really scheduled to be your guys' home opener as you're wearing your Star Wars jerseys. I think that was supposed to be your second home game there, and that was kind of the reason you guys were wearing those jerseys. But uh, just talk about that game against New England. You guys were in control of it uh, most of the way. You had a nice game, putting up seven points. What did you think of uh, the Swarm's first effort? Yeah, I think I think we came out and, and played really well at times. Offensively, I think we did did a lot of good things right. You know, aside from from our man up, we could be a lot better. And that's been a story of of last year. That something that we're really trying to focus on offense. But um, overall, you know, the way I look at look at how we did as an offense, I felt like we did really good. We controlled um, that part of the floor and. And we had a lot of good opportunities that we didn't capitalize on. And I think, um, you know, had we capitalized even on, you know, a quarter of, of those huge opportunities on the doorstep, um, you know, we could have put up stuff funny. But overall, you know, like I said, I think I think our offense, it felt really good. Um, and even watching from the bench, it, it looked good. One of those missed opportunities was a pass you missed on the top of the crease, about five feet wide open. Too wide open on that play? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happened. I was uh I was standing there for a solid three seconds and three seconds is a long time when you're standing in the middle waiting for somebody to, you know, give you a check in the back or something. But uh you know, I caught the ball and, and honestly by the time Shane passed it to me, I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting somebody to to grab me by then on the defensive end, but uh just never happened. I caught the ball and went and never never caught a handle of it. It's funny how that kind of happens, Lyle, that, you know, it's almost like a, a screen pass in football or something where some of those kind of lobs, softies that come to you and they kind of take forever to get to you, those are almost the harder ones to catch than getting a bullet delivered to you while you're on the run in, in tight quarters. Why do you think that is? Do you think it's just because your brain has too much time to process what's about to happen instead of what's actually happening in the moment? Um. I mean, it could be that. I think I, for me, it's just um, I was I was a little bit anxious and and honestly was thinking about too much as far as you know, waiting to be covered, waiting for for someone to pick me up. I never really like yell for a pass. You know, some players will be like, you know, give you a holler, let you know that they're open. I never really do that. I just expect my teammates to see me, or um, if they don't, they don't. But but I was there. I never really screamed for the ball. Um, so that time, I don't want to draw attention to myself. But in that in that specific situation, you know, I was just waiting there, you know, waving my stick a little bit there. And, yeah. and uh, Shane realized I was that open and, and kind of, I guess, threw it harder than he needed to. But I, I should have definitely caught the ball either way. And, um, you know, I tried to catch it and shoot it too fast. One of the things you got to be really pleased about, though, is the balance of your offensive attack. You had 10 different goal scorers. I don't think anybody had more than three in the game. Is that really the key to the Swarm offense this year is you've got that many weapons that anybody could take charge at any time? Yeah, I think I think that's the key to – that's been the key to our offense since, since I've been a part of the Swarm. Um, it's never, never been a one-man show. Um, you know, people point at me and think that, you know, I control the offense, and I don't feel that way at all. Um, there's nights I can go scoreless, or, or and we still put up, you know, plus 15. But that's our that's that's somewhat of our goal is to put up plus 14 every night. 
And it's just a bunch of guys buying into a system and being able to play within the system. So, so everyone shares the team effort. Um, so for me, yeah, I think I think that's the way we've we've put in our offense. And Coach Dan Leiter, sir, has has really done a good job of, of building confidence in each one of us and and letting us know sort of our roles and, and what we're really good at and how we can utilize each other and utilize ourselves. Speaking with Lyle Thompson, um, you mentioned the team goal of, of putting up 14. Do you set personal goals for yourself statistically, Lyle, or do you just kind of go out there and, and, and play the game and, and whatever the stat line reads at the end of the night is what it reads? And honestly, before every game, I, I always text my um, my my wife will text me and and um, I just ask her what what the kids want and what she wants and my kids will say you know they they call assist apple or they want a goal um, sometimes it's a ground ball you know I threw that in the category just so I don't have to put up huge numbers every night um, but I but whatever she texts me back you know that's what I try to that's what I try to go for. But, um, so the, wi- the wife I, sets I the goals. Way. I like it. I like it. You let the wife set the goals for you. The wife, the wife and the kids. So each kid gets an option of one thing. It's assist a goal or a ground ball. And, and um, it's, it's kind of just part of the fun, kind of to get me focused. I wouldn't say I go out there and, you know, I'm, I'm trying extra hard to get it. But, um, you know, it's kind of like a good luck thing for me. But, no, I don't I don't set any, any huge goals each specific game. Um, I just... You know, like I've said a million times on on every time I've been every, interviewed, you know, I'm just out there to to have fun, play my hardest, and, and and make my team, you know, successful. And maybe part of that fun, you you managed to pull off more highlight reel goals than I think anyone else in the league. And you know, Tyson Geike used to have his versus segments. I think you held the record for most appearances. How does this come about that you pull off all these goals? That's most of us could only dare imagine pulling off about the first quarter of it. Uh, I'm not out there trying to, to pull off crazy goals or anything like that. Um, I just, you know, I spend a lot of time with my stick. It's a, it's a reflection of, of, you know, how hard you're working during the week and, and really a lifetime of work for me because I've grown that connection with, with my stick. And, and I really enjoy, you know, the process of, of becoming the player I am today, you know, and that includes, you know, my workouts, my, my training, you know, the studying I do on, on film, uh, for the swarm homework and whatnot and whatnot. And, and really just keeping a stick in my hands. So, um, I think that's just the result of that. Speaking with Lyle Thompson of the Georgia swarm, Thompson brothers, lacrosse, Nike lacrosse. Speaking of your fitness, Lyle, uh, a quick one here. Can you do the splits yet? What was that? Can you do the splits yet? I know you've been working on your flexibility. No, um, I mean I have been working on my flexibility a lot. I, I've kind of lost focus of being able to do the splits. I've set <laughs> a New Year's kind of resolution every year. I'm going to post a picture um, of my progress and my brothers because we we always happen to be together on New Year's and we always do take a picture of of um, how far we can get on a split. Okay. And the the I guess the results by the end of the year. I honestly don't think I've 
I've gone down too far as far as uh, being able to accomplish this foot. I'm sure you can go further than me. Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you is, is for the kids out there who obviously look up to you and, and, and want to be like Lyle Thompson, what's, uh, what's the setup that Lyle Thompson likes to use? Head, mesh, you go with hard, soft, medium, uh, what kind of shaft, uh, all shooting strings, all that kind of stuff. What, uh, what kind of setup does Lyle Thompson like to use? If I'm being, you know, if I'm being honest, Lately, I, I'm just trying to grab the widest head possible. Um, I've kind of, I've kind of started to like it. I, I used the hammer once for for offense in the Cross All Stars tournament, and I really like that. I'm not the best catcher inside, and it, and it gave me, you know, a slight advantage, taking any advantage I can. So, um, you know, honestly, just grabbing grabbing the widest head I can. I do like the. I've always liked the Lakota U and, and the Lakota 2.0. They've made that even wider now, too, so I like that. And for as far as, you know, the the rest of the heads, I, I always try to go with, with semi-hard, something a little bit harder. I've always enjoyed the process of breaking a stick in. Um, you know, nowadays you can you can buy mesh, and basically it's close to, to being broken in already, the mesh you, you grab. Um, it doesn't stretch out too much further. And I like the process of really, like, you know, getting reps in as far as, like, just breaking it in, uh, pounding it with, you know, tennis ball full of pennies or yeah, like whatever. You, like you used to do with an old wooden stick. Those things take some real time to, to get them where you want to get them. Exactly. Those take the whole season to get ready. Um, and then traditional, I grew up using traditional. My father always, you know, once we transfer from wooden sticks to plastic sticks, it was always traditional. And those took a long time. Those took, you know, a part, right around the month to, to really break in. And then even once your season started, it was still breaking in in the process. You still had to touch things up a little bit. And now that I'm using mesh, I still like to do that. So, like, uh, I like to go with a little bit of hard mesh and let it break in and then make some adjustments, you know, as the season progresses. Uh, I like a mid, mid to low pocket. Um, not super low, especially, you know, my box sticks and my field sticks are completely different. Got a lot more hold than my field sticks, but Interesting. my box sticks, uh, I like them to slide out. So my pocket's a little lower in the ball, a lot less hold. And then my tape job, I usually just tape the full shaft up just so I can, you know, I can feel it a lot better. And, and um, you know, I have the two butt end style type thing where you got one at the end of your shaft and then at the top of where your hand would sit. Gotcha. Just for comfort. Gotcha. Speaking with Lyle Thompson of the Georgia Swarm, um, so many things I want to talk to you here about Lyle, and I know I know you got a, a big call coming up with Nike Lacrosse. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that. What uh, What's happening with Thompson Brothers Lacrosse? Last time we chatted, you were kind of in some transition uh, with with that company, but TBL Nike, what's happening with those guys? You know, we're 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 still doing a lot of the same things. I guess uh, TBL has always been. And I guess known for doing clinics and whatnot, lacrosse clinics, and, and we're really kind of trying to step away from the camp, uh, I guess, business. Um, only because you know we got families now. It's a it's a it's a lot of traveling, and, and honestly, um, with experience of doing it, you know, we believe there's there's a better way of going about it. So recently, uh, we're in the works of, of basically making it event style, so that we're able to 
to bring a, a real true experience and, and an unforgettable experience for, for a kid that does want to attend where, where it's, it's a lot more kids, uh, a lot more, I guess, given, given to the kids, um, with product and I guess opportunity, if you really think about it, but only doing really four to three camps a year. So that's our, that's our new focus. But, um, Still, really, another focus is just selling product, better product. You know, obviously, working with Nike has been something special. And they're one thing I've learned from Nike is is they're really able to storytell through their product. Um, and with the line that we have with them, and with Thompson Brothers Across, I've really taken a note out of their book and being able to do that. So that's that's what I'm kind of working on for the future is being able to create products where we can really tell a story. In making it, uh, I guess a limited edition type type gear. That's super cool. Um, that's, other than that, yeah, yeah, no, that's super cool. And and I wanted to kind of tie all that in because uh, you guys were out in Langley, I want to say in late September, early October, something like that, with uh, Tyler Pace's gang and Pacific Coast Lacrosse, and you guys kind of ran one of those events there where they had a bunch of guys and college scouts and all that sort of stuff at the Langley Event Center, which, uh, of course, will be the home of the World Indoor Lacrosse Championships uh, that roll around next September. It's got to be pretty exciting to to think about uh, bringing the Iroquois Nationals and, and playing at the LEC and, and getting after another world championship that's just around the corner. Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, you know, the Iroquois Nationals are really putting together. Uh, we're we're doing, doing things a lot different and, you know, better for the future of the Iroquois Nationals, really, um, as far as organization and getting the team together a lot, a lot earlier. Um, I guess talking about taking a note out of other teams' books is, is just, you know, when you look at USA, they they really prepare. Um, they get their training camps going, you know, a year, two years, sometimes three years in advance. Um, and I think that that's that really helps them. Um, and I think with the Iroquois Nationals being the smallest group and having a group that really is only you know a solid sixteen of our guys, four hours, three hours away from each other. To me, that's a huge advantage, and I think we're really starting to realize that and utilize it. Speaking of the Iroquois Nationals, uh, one of the main topics that's been discussed the last couple of months is uh, the uh, FIL getting its provisional recognition with the IOC, and everybody now going to the point of, okay, how does this affect the Iroquois? Are they going to be there? And I think everybody's in the same boat that it'd be, uh, it's a must to have the Iroquois at the at the Olympics. Has there been any movement or any talks as to how that's going to work out at this stage? Not not that I've heard. Um, you know, I haven't heard anything as far as on, on the Iroquois Nationals and what's going to happen there. You know, obviously, I'd, I'd hope that we can, you know, we're able to still continue to play at, at that world stage level and, and compete in the Olympics. But from my perspective, to me, it's kind of a long shot. You really feel like that, Lyle? That that you don't think that the IOC or FIL is going to find a way for you guys to compete? It may not be under the the Nationals flag or the Haudenosaunee flag. How would you? How would you like? This is 
very difficult for me to even consider. And I can't imagine what it's like for you to even think about not being at the Olympics. Like, where do you come out on that? Would would you be okay with lacrosse being at the Olympics if the Haudenosaunee couldn't compete? Would you rather see lacrosse continue to grow and 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 get to that level, even if it means that you guys can't be there? Or would you rather say, okay, you know what, like, this is our sport, and if you're not going to let us compete, then I don't want to see it there. Um, I mean, obviously, I, I'm not going to say that, you know, if the Iroquois Nationals can't play, you know, I don't I don't want to see the game be in the Olympics. I do think, you know, what I mean by, by a long shot is, is as far as the Iroquois, I mean, the, the Olympic Committee seeing us as our own nation, that's that's really an argument we've been facing with our passports, and and that's other countries really seeing us as a sovereign nation, which other countries obviously aren't, aren't seeing. Um, you know, obviously we have we have treaties that that really go unrecognized, and honestly, the more I study about treaties, the more I learn, and the more I realize that you know half the people in I mean a lot of people don't even know you know, what a treaty even is yeah. and, and how they haven't been recognized. You know, a lot of, I mean, I don't want to go into that political aspect of the whole passport. And no, but this is something that you're very passionate about though, Lyle, right? Like this is something that is very near and dear to your heart and something that you care greatly about. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's important to me because, um, it's a matter of my history. It's a matter of my, my, my whole nation's history, but it's also a matter of my kids' future. Um, and that's something we're always talking about. But it's, it's been mistreated. Um, but I, I want to see, I, I'd like to see lacrosse and Olympics. If it's a matter of me fighting for what we stand for, um, I'm obviously going to be on, on the Iroquois national side and, and I want to play in the Olympics. I think we have a solid argument that we are a sovereign nation. We do deserve to play at the Olympic level. Um, you know, I'm going to stand by that no matter what, but it is, I'm not going to stop the game from growing. Fair, fair enough, man. I think that uh, that's about as good as you can say it. Um, Lyle, uh, listen, we really appreciate your time as always coming on here. And, uh, oh, I think Evan's got one more for you before we let you go. One of, of course, this may be a little selfish, but of course, I spend uh, a good chunk of my week uh, on First Nations uh, with my with my work, and we're bringing a new lacrosse program to new kids. What should be the message that those youth, when the first time they get to see that stick, what should be the message that we deliver to those young guys? Well, I think I think it's got to be a message that the kids can really understand. Um, but also a message that that can give them hope in the future of the game. Um, and a message we always try to share, whenever we, we see, we come to a new group of, of Native American youth um, that may not have touched a lacrosse stick or the game is new to them, and, and that is the case for a lot of the kids, is just to, to let them know the history of this game and, and where it's come from and how how they should be able to connect to it but also know how young the game is in the United States and Canada um, in present day and let them know that that's 
that this game is growing and there's huge opportunity in it because it's it's growing at such a fast pace and you know it's able to to really be be a be a vehicle for for them to get an education and to make positive changes within their community um and and even just for themselves because that's what it's done for me um that's the message i always try to share is just that this is a creative game it's nothing like no other sport you're able to grab a stick and make it your own make it different than every single other person's stick. um you know, I always tell them that you could blindfold me and throw 50 sticks in front of me, and I'm, I'll, I'll be able to pick mine out um, without seeing it, just <laughs> that, by feeling it. That's awesome. Because I know my stick so well. Yeah. And and that's the connection that this game really has, is that you can make it your own. And it's more creative than any sport out there, in my eyes. You can do a lot with the game. It brings athleticism. You can be, you know, you could be slow and be talented. You could be, you know, strong and be talented, fast, unathletic, you know, and have strengths in other areas. Um, you don't need height, you know, all this, all these different things come into the game of lacrosse. And that's the message I always try to share. But I also think it's really important to share the history and where this game's come from because it's helped me in so many ways. Well said, Lyle. Uh, I lied to you. I got one more. I know you had a brief conversation on Twitter about, the term Native American and First Nations, which you kind of like. I want to make sure I get this right here while I got you on. First of all, your 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 First Nations name, De Hasanunde? Yeah, so De Hasanunde. De Hasanunde. De Hasanunde. The, the correct term for, for Haudenosaunee, I know you spelt it out kind of phonetically for me on Twitter, but I want to make sure I pronounce it properly. Is it pronounced Ungwehoe? Yep, Ungwehoe. Okay. You can, you can really uh, exaggerate the, the E's there. Okay, okay. Ungwehoe. One more time for me. Cut out a little bit there. Ungwehoe. Awesome. Lacrossum, if you will. Lyle Thompson uh, of Georgia Swarmlax. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast, Lyle, and I hope we can do this again real soon. Yep, always a pleasure. Thanks. Lyle Thompson, uh, some great stuff in there, Evan, from from Lyle, as always. Uh, I'm always so fascinated to talk to number four and, and what he does for this sport, not only for for box and for field, but uh, like you said, for the Haudenosaunee and, and really kind of leading a nation for the Iroquois Nationals. Um, he's a superstar, man, and... You know, when he first kind of broke in, he wasn't super comfortable in front of the camera, behind the microphone. Um, He's getting so much better at that. And I think the message that he delivers to the youth of this sport and and North America alike is just, it's amazing. And what a family. You think about what those guys have accomplished um, coming off the reservation at Onondaga with Jerome and Jeremy and Miles and Lyle. It's just, it's an absolutely incredible story that these guys now own a company, they work for Nike Lacrosse, like it's it's amazing. And they hold so many NCAA records, we shouldn't forget that. Tawaraton winners, yeah. Yeah. Um, if you haven't uh, learned much about the Thompsons, uh, search them up on YouTube. There's a few very good documentaries, one done by ESPN. Uh, there was another one that's in a four-part series. 
it really, it, they take you to Onondaga and they actually show you where these guys grew up and the type of environment they came from and the struggles they had to face to get where they are. And it's quite the inspirational story. Yeah, it's it's absolutely incredible. And, and I, I mean, as far as watching lacrosse players play, like I have my favorites and I like my guys. Lyle Thompson is at the top of my list. Like I just... He is so fun to watch play the sport, whether it's field or box or just messing around uh, with a stick, whatever the case is. It's He's the guy for me. And, you know, he carries that uh, the weight of, you know, of being that ambassador for all these uh, youth, especially uh, Aboriginal youth, but also non-Aboriginal youth that are looking up to him. And <laughs> when, when you've worked uh, on the reserve as much as I have, you just start to learn that unless you get the name right, yeah, uh, you don't want to butcher it. Too no, badly. I know, I know, and I'm still working <laughs> on it. But it, it's like it's it's something that you know over I would say over the last uh, two three years of of kind of my my broadcasting career and, and connection to lacrosse that I've really kind of taken to the history of the sport and the roots that go back to, to the Haudenosaunee and, and kind of try and connect myself and maybe even try and be a bit of a liaison and bridge the gap between uh, the two cultures to, to try and kind of educate people on why it's so important for them to be recognized. And, and we've talked about this, Evan, like I think the Haudenosaunee, the Iroquois flag should, should fly in every single national lacrosse league arena and their anthem should be played before every single lacrosse game, not only in the National Lacrosse League, but the WLA, wherever the case, anytime that a lacrosse game on a, on a big stage is being played, their anthem should be played before that game. 100%. And, you know, as we said earlier... And it's a yeah, wicked anthem, I, too. I could not imagine them not being at the Olympics. Like That's just a, that's a non-starter for me. Yeah, me too, me too. Hey, we're running long on time here, so let's get to break, and uh, we'll come back and we'll wrap this puppy up here. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Pure Vital Labs is proud to bring you the highest quality sports supplements on the market. PVL products are 100% all-natural with no artificial flavors, colors, or sweeteners. And the entire line is also Informed Choice certified. We designed all our products with the athlete in mind. We look forward to being a part of your athletic achievements, helping you push the bar higher, win at the highest levels, and set personal records for years to come. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Classified. Big thanks to our friends at Pure Vital Labs. Anything else would be on Sportsmanlike, make sure you check them out at pvl.com or their social media at Pure Vital Labs for all your supplement needs. Good stuff there from Pure Vital Labs. While we're on the topic of sponsorship, I know a lot of people have been kind of tweeting at us and, and saying how great the podcast is, not to honk our own horns here, Evan, but getting a lot of compliments and, and thank yous and all that sort of stuff. I'll tell you what, the best way you can thank us is to use our sponsors because they are the people that really make this podcast 
possible. So if you need apparel for your team, I know there's lots of young teams out there that uh, need new uniforms or bags or whatever the case is. Make sure you're using Extreme Threads for that. If you've got a business, a small business, big business, you need labels, you need packaging, whatever the case is, you're moving, make sure you check out our friends at Associated Labels and Packaging. And like I just said, Pure Vita Labs, the best supplements on the market right now. Tons of NLL athletes are using that. Dixon, Berg, Pace, Del Bianco, Crawford, uh, Kylie Olmiller is in on that. Uh, all sorts of uh, top-level lacrosse players are on the Pure Vital Labs supplement. So um, if you're looking to take your game to the next level, make sure you're checking those guys out. That's the best way to, to thank us is to use our sponsors. Um, Three games this weekend, Evan. Let's go over these quickly here because we're running long once again this week, but understandably so with two big guests like John Tavares and Lyle Thompson. But uh, let's get our game picks in. We both went 2-1. and one as, uh, I don't know how many people had Vancouver winning that game uh, last Saturday, but uh, we both had Calgary in that one. So we are 2-1. and one. Toronto versus Buffalo, who you got? Uh, bandits. Uh, I'm still taking them to win the East, so I count at this stage, you know, Okay. Dane Smith could be the wild card, but we'll have to go with Buffalo. Je- you're going to be responsible for keeping track of this, Evan, just so you know. Um, <laughs> so you're taking Buffalo. I'm going to take Toronto just for the sake of taking Toronto. San Diego will play their first National Lacrosse League game. They will be in the Loud House uh, to take on the Mammoth. Who you got? i uh, got to take the home team, Colorado, there. I think it's a little too much for San Diego overcoming the first game. Fair enough. I will agree with that. Hashtag Tusk up. Um, last game on the docket. It's a rematch of last Saturday. The Calgary Roughnecks into Vancouver. First ever game at Rogers Arena against those Vancouver Warriors. Who you got? I'm going to take the Roughnecks. Maybe you got those two guys back. Maybe you don't, but Vancouver's got the hex of not winning at home. I think Christian Del Bianco steps his game up come Friday night as well. I will take Calgary as well. So we both got Calgary, both got Colorado. You're taking Buffalo. I'm taking Toronto. Mark it down, book it, and we'll discuss next week. Playoff change in the National Lacrosse League, Evan Sheminar. And I, this one kind of jumped up on me because I saw an article that Steve Ewan put out uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I kind of called him out and said, hey, man, like you got four teams making it from each conference. What's going on here? And he said, why don't you look in the media guy, Jumbo? So I did, and right there in it, They've changed the playoff format in the National Lacrosse League. They actually just came out with a press release, I believe, yesterday about it. But now it's the top four, and it's pretty straightforward, so I don't know if we need to spend a whole lot of time on it, but it's one versus four, it's two versus three in a single game, and then the two winners play again in a single game, and then the final two of three in the final. So it's... Listen, there's 11 teams. Eight of them are making the playoffs. I'm not a big fan of that, but two more teams are coming into the league next year. I think they probably could have waited a year on this, Evan, to to change the format. It is what it is. It's much simpler this way. Yeah, it's much simpler this way going into this, and if they don't change it again next year, I'm going to be okay with it. So one versus four, two versus three, they play in a single – Single game, first two rounds. It's a two out of three in the finals. That's the new playoff format here in the National Lacrosse League. Reese Dutch, three points away from 900 in the National Lacrosse League. Only 12 players in history have more points than Reese Dutch. He is three away from the 900 mark. I'd really like to see... Uh, the Warriors do something for Reese Dutch coming back, whether it's a video tribute or just a moment to uh, kind of shine the spotlight on Reese Dutch. I don't think it's going to happen. I think he deserves it. 
but I don't think it's going to happen. But Reese Dutch, uh, one of the best, and, and obviously the all-time franchise leader there in Vancouver, um, I think deserves that. Yeah, and they I mean they didn't even hold his number back. So I yeah, I mean the body, the body wasn't even cold before they handed that to, to Joel McCready. That was pretty savage there by Creeds, I gotta say. Um, yeah. Next week, but, of course, is Christmas, Evan Schevenauer. Uh, but we here at Lacrosse Classified, we take no breaks. We are gonna deliver the goods for you, Santa Claus style, on Christmas. We will release a new podcast. So while you're sitting around. Unwrapping presents, whatever the case is, sipping on some eggnog, you can take in another episode of Lacrosse Classified, so look forward to that. We did record this podcast over the last couple of days, uh, just because Lyle Thompson's schedule worked out that way, which actually gave me a chance to talk to Booker Corrigan uh, a little bit through, he slid into my DMs, Evan, and we had a we had a good conversation, <laughs> we kind of hashed things out a little bit, I said I was a little little testy, and, and he apologized for, for getting some names wrong, we hashed it out, he's a good dude, and I'm sure he's going to be better his next time around, so shout out to Booker Corrigan. Last thing I want to mention before we get out of here, and it's a pretty big deal for for yours truly um i'm gonna make my tsn radio debut i'm doing some co-hosting over the holidays uh 9 to 12 on the 24th and then uh 5:30 a.m to 9 a.m in for the big daddy dave pratt uh, on TSN 1040 from 5.30 to 9 on the 27th and 28th. So if you're around a radio on those days and you want to hear me uh, talk about something besides lacrosse, I'll squeeze in a little lacrosse talk in there. But uh, I'm looking forward to that, so that should be fun. So I wanted to get that out there uh, for the peoples, man. Yeah, and I'm just looking forward to some time off for change. <laughs> there you go. These 50-, 60-hour weeks on top of my hobby. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> random, th- random thoughts. When's the next one coming out? Uh, tomorrow on Wednesday, yeah. We're okay. We're going to review what's happened last week, uh, the whole BR situation, and uh, we'll have a little bit of fun with it too. Sounds good. Random thoughts. You can check it out on Lacrosse All-Stars, just as you do here for Lacrosse Classified every Tuesday. All right, that's it. Once again, Extreme Threads, Associated Labels and Packaging, Pure Vital Labs. Big thanks to them. To John Tavares, to Lyle Thompson, thanks for coming on the show. To you, the listener, for checking out Lacrosse Classified every single week. Don't forget to follow us at Shemlax, at PXP for Sports, and the show is at Lax Class on Twitter. You can find us on Google, iTunes, Lacrosse All-Stars website. We're everywhere, people. Make sure you're subscribing and checking us out every single week. Thanks to you, the listener, for listening, and we gotta go for the fastest game on two feet and for the creator. Have a good one, everybody.